Hey, folks, I'm Tom. I'm KJ. You know the drill. We're back again to talk about the Dunlap Champions Club. You know, just because football season goes away after the fall every year, unfortunately, the Dunlap Champions Club does not, and we've told you this before, but it's a great event space that you should consider for your team, family, organization, whatever it is. Space, space, and more space. Anything from 10 to 15 people, or I'm told... As many as 800 can be accommodated. Uh, they, they've got space. They do. They've got uh, – if you've been in the Dunlap Champions Club, you know we're talking about the fourth floor and the sixth floor, really, of the University Center Club. But the fourth floor is 20,000 square feet, floor-to-ceiling windows, overlooks Bobby Bowden Field. They can set it, you know, whatever you want. Plated function, theater seating, cocktail reception. If you like uh, the terrace, the little outdoor and, – and actually – this time of year. Yeah, yeah. I might not suggest it for late July, early but, but August. this time of year. This time of year, I think that's an option. Same thing up there. Cocktail reception. They'll set it however you want. Just consider it. It's uh, it, it really is a great space. I've, I've been to several functions there. I'd encourage you to do the same. 850-644-1830 for ticket information, or you can call and schedule a private tour. And now, without further ado... Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back again. This is Front Row Knowles. Keith. Sir. Good to see you. Good to be seen. Been spending more time with you than my wife of late. We went to Boston on Friday night, got on a plane, came back to Tallahassee on Saturday, got in a car and went to Gainesville on Sunday, and then I was happy not to see you on Monday and Tuesday. The best stop was the Busy Bee on the way back from Gainesville. It always is. It always is, no question. But as I have pointed out, you have to upgrade to Bucky's when we get one in Florida. We'll and have then that you conversation realize, another time. Yes. yes, I know all about Bucky's. Well, this sort of relates. I mean, you can prioritize which is your favorite place to stop, but we can also prioritize who you have on your coaching list. And and my well, guess will be as good times. as yours, right? And we've done. I think what's gotten more interesting is that now there is a conversation about why not just promote Odell. And and that conversation is uh, gaining traction. Uh, I have a theory on that, and you and I have talked about this, and it, it's going to be a politically incorrect theory. Now, I know that's a shock to our listeners coming from me, but there's one thing about Odell. That we, we had a term in the South years ago, decades ago, that has changed its meaning and now has derogatory uh, connotations, but that term was simpleton. And that was someone that, that – that had a job, let's say they were a farmer or a fisherman, and they spent their time doing their job. They were the best fisherman or the best farmer they could be. They were in church on Sundays. They raised their family. Uh, they they uh, held themselves to a code of integrity. They had worth, and their family had worth, and they valued their children, and they valued their community. And what they did, they valued, and they kept the focus being whether they were a farmer or a fisherman. And that's what Odell is. He's a product of Florida State University. He's got experience at the NFL level, but he's got 26 years of coaching at FSU. His message is all about Florida State. It's not about anything else. I've not had conversations with Odell. I don't know what he feels like and, and feels about politics or the economy or monetary policy. Does he like the Federal Reserve or not? I, you know, I don't have any of those conversations. The conversations you have with, with Odell are about family, in Florida State, and his kids. 
And that's the message that he continues to preach. And there are those that would say, which I would agree with, that that makes him a viable candidate for head coach. The detractors would say, and they said the same thing about Mickey Andrews in in his day, is that he's not personable enough, broad enough, big enough to do all the things that's demanded of a head coach in today's world. I don't know exactly where I fall on that, but I know one thing. If Odell was named the head coach, I got no problem with it, okay? I'm not advocating it, but if it happened, I could get behind that and support it 100%. The tea leaves continue to read that Bob Stoops is at the head of the line of who Florida State's pursuing. And as we've talked about on this show, and you talk to any Noel fan, I think they're all going to say Stoops is the, Stoops is the one guy, as you and I have pointed out, that would sell tickets before you see the product next year. After that, there's not a single name that has been mentioned that will sell tickets before next year, in my mind. I, and I would agree with that. I mean, Campbell from Iowa State, P.J. Fleck, Mark Stoops, uh, Satterfield from Louisville. I mean, pick another. None of those are going to sell tickets. I, I'm talking to make a difference. Venables, Elliott, uh, right. Joe, Joe what's-his-face from LSU. So, so I think, to me, the fascinating thing is if you don't get Stoops, and we are recording the show today, so if news breaks, folks, just take this with a grain of salt. But if you don't get Stoops, who's next? And we've had the same conversation. And now that you've seen Odell, and I'll, I'll make the, the counter, uh, you know, I'll contradict myself on Odell in a minute. Nothing's a, nothing's a guarantee. Uh, P.J. Flex done great at two places that aren't big-time programs. How does that work here? Matt Campbell's done great at two places that are any, you know, the word there is he's going to Michigan or Michigan State or Ohio State as soon as that job opens. Satterfield was really good. Is he going to leave Louisville after one year? Have we seen enough there to say, okay? And we've had experience with a coach leaving a program after one year. My point is I think where I've landed for this is if you miss on Stoops, I'm I'm willing to pass over those head coaches. And I know that Coburn and FSU want somebody with head coaching experience. I'm willing to go down to, to Brent Venables and or Odell and have that conversation. I am as well. And, and part, be, 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 of, part because, of the conversation is – known things and whether you know it well and perceive it as being well or you know it a little bit but you're hopeful the 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 transition if you go Odell and potentially Venables I don't know about that but certainly with Odell is that he will most likely keep Bryles and Clemens and Ronnie he will probably embrace bringing in Levitt I think we all agree, unfortunately, and also fits into the dadgum category that Willie fit in. You know, I think I think Coach Barnett's time at Florida State is done. Great guy, worked his tail off, um, has a future, just didn't fit here for whatever reason. Uh, I think Odell would embrace Levitt coming in, so he's already here. But at the same time, do you need that big splash? Do you need that guy that can move, as you your term, you move the needle? Yeah, you probably do. And so it'll just be interesting to see how it, it weighs out. What's good short-term versus long-term probably is where that argument falls down into. What it is is you have to get this higher right this time. Because if you spend the kind of money to get a sitting head coach, Mark Stoops is going to cost you on average five to six million a year with a huge buyout. His Kentucky buyout is twenty two million. That's for Mark Stoops, not Bob. So if his he buyout, he leaves is one seven five. 
I misspoke. If he gets fired. Correct. If you got in the same situation you're in right now. Correct. Yeah. Thank you for the correction there. Uh, the point is, it, it's not a slam dunk. And you can't afford two or three years from now to be on the hook for another 18, 20, 22, 24, 26 million, which is where you're going to be if you hire P.J. Fleck, Matt Campbell, Mark Stoops, or a guy that's been a head coach. Maybe a little bit less than that for some of them. If you hire a coordinator or go the Odell route, uh, their contract in simple terms, is going to be half the amount, and their buyout will be half the amount. So you're looking at a five-year contract for 15 mil, and the buyout at the start is 10 mil. And after a year or two, it's down to something that's more affordable. Now, people will say that, well, you've already said that money's no object because you went ahead and parted ways with Taggart. So you Money can't, is always an object. You, you, can't, you, know, you can't worry about the budget now, but I'll go back to the point. I've been this way from the start. If you if you have a hundred percent conviction that PJ Fleck is head and shoulders above Brent Venables, go get him. Go get him. Go get him. But if you're looking at it and you're saying, well, the only difference I see is he's been a head coach, but I really like the fact that Venables. By the way, he not only learned from Dabo, but he coached with Stoops for a while. And before that, he was with Bill Snyder. He's got pretty good pedigree. I, you know, again, if you've got conviction, go after it. But if not, and I, maybe I, just maybe, maybe just maybe. There's that Billy Donovan kid out there that 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 David and and Thrasher have found that once it's done, we do all go. You know, you know, it's a balance between splash now and and wins and losses. But but I like what the young kid brings. I'll come out and watch him, but I don't know who that kid is. Yeah, I, I've not met him and I've not heard about him. Well, we'll see. I guess in the next couple of weeks, how this all shakes out. So the the other side of the Odell coin is this. One, he may not be interested. Two, let's evaluate the fact that his wins are over Southern Miss and Louisiana Monroe and Boston College in extenuating circumstances where you were the guy asked to pull the team together and there was a reason to rally the team and pull them together. And it's easy right now to say, well, he lets his coaches coach. He defers everything to Kendall and everything worked out great. Jordan Travis is scoring touchdowns. He started the right quarterback. But there are times when you defer things to coordinators and they don't make the right call and things don't work out that well. And I always say everything's in the middle. Right now we're in this world of, well, everything Taggart tried to quote-unquote meddle in went wrong and everything that Bryles has wanted to do went right. And you know darn well. The reality is in between. Yeah, the reality is in between on this. And I would say the same with Odell. Now, two weeks from now, if FSU goes down and represents well in Gainesville or somehow wins that game, now, FSU may already have a head coach, so the ship may have sailed, but you might think differently about Higgins. I also think there's just a warm spot for Odell because he's an FSU guy and because he's rallying the troops and the fan base at a time when the fan base needs to be rallied because either their coach just abandoned them or their coach got fired, and that's that's where we are they right now. They need somebody to believe in and somebody that won't let them down. Here's something you can believe in, speaking of Odell. And it will not let you down. Powerade mimosas at Madison Social last week. We can't do the other sports energy drink in these parts, so we do Powerade. You know this. Also, uh, Matt Thompson and the crew now have uh, 2020 election shirts out with the, uh, the team of Odell slash ham. So we've got an Odell ham ticket for 2020. If you'd like to purchase that shirt now, it's now available. Hadn't heard of that one. Kind of like that one. There you Kinda go. Kind of like that one. It's a good week for all of them. Mm. Good week for all of them. Okay, speaking of Ham, the men's basketball team coming off the big win. You want to count them out? How many was that over the Gators? You want to be transformed? One, one, two, two three, three, four. I need another finger. Six. 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 Now go ahead and eat that win. Six wins in a row over Florida. But uh, we'll talk with Malik Osborne, who was one of the heroes on uh, Sunday in that victory. The home opener is coming up Friday night. That conversation with Malik Osborne is coming up next on Front Row Knowles. 
Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. We are back on Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ with you. We're going to talk a little basketball now, put football on the back burner. We will open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency ensuring your future together. And it's our privilege to bring to the airwaves. Uh, I, I call him a newcomer because he's new playing for FSUs, but he's been around here a while. He sat out last year. Malik Osborne is with us. How are you, sir? Um, well, thank you for having me. I guess that's a starting point, Malik. You transferred in from Rice a year ago and you relate to us what that experience is like when you want to play, but you know you've got to sit out and wait your turn. I, I imagine there's there's pros and cons to a situation like that. Uh, yes, I mean, I knew that coming in from Rice, I knew that I had to sit out a year, but I definitely weighed out the pros and the cons. I mean, the pros, in my opinion, definitely outweighed the cons. Of course, the obvious cons are, are not playing. And, I mean, being a transfer, I also had to – I also wasn't able to travel as well, so that also was kind of – not, I mean, it kind of hurt a little because, you know, you want to be there with your team. You want to be on the road. You want to be that, that extra supporter when they're in a hostile arena. But, you know, I mean, the pros just were like, they, they just outweighed the console many, so much that it was just like, it was a no-brainer. I mean, the fact that I got to train and get better, the fact that I, uh, I was able to learn the system, learn about Florida State and pretty much what we're about as far as our mentality, um, and just to get a feel for the coaches and just, I mean, learning stuff from moving from a mid-major to a high-major as far as just how to conduct myself on and off the court, how to conduct myself after laws, how to deal with the media, how to deal with uh, fans out in the real world. I mean, it just, it was so much there that I needed that. I mean, just sitting out last year, there were so many pros that helped me develop as a player and as an individual that, I mean, I just had to jump on the opportunity. Malik, uh, for those that don't know, because we haven't had a home game other than the exhibition games, uh, you started 27 games at Rice in your career, so it wasn't like you were a bench player when you came in. You had a feel for your game as a freshman. When you came to Florida State, when you sat down with the coaching staff, what were a couple of things that you guys agreed on that you would work on during that year, that redshirt year, that would help make you a better player? What did you focus on? Uh, We focused mainly on just being a, a perimeter player and, and working on pretty much like my guard skills and, and sharpening those up um, because I played the five at right. So there was a lot of back to the basket play and a lot of rim running and a lot of uh, screening. So Coach Ham pretty much stressed to me and Coach Gates as well that the way we play, uh, the Florida State way, is that everybody's able to get the ball and, and just push the ball in transition. Everybody is able to play either inside and outside. And so that it really wasn't just like playing like a traditional five or a traditional one. Like it's pretty much positionless basketball over here at Florida State. So that's pretty much what they were stressing to me. So that they told me that I will be able to uh, be on the perimeter, but I also will be playing some inside as well because of my physicality and my mentality to, to go get rebounds and, and play with effort and hustle. So he said that there was going to be times where I will be playing the five, but I shouldn't really worry because. I will also be on the perimeter, but also be have the five by my name as well. So it the numbers, I mean, playing one through five, it really didn't mean anything. It's just 
going out there and, and doing what I need to do for the team. Well, in keeping with the uh, – we'll tell you one thing, and unfortunately you may end up having to do the other with, with Dominic and Balsha having some injury issues. You, you've you kind of been asked to play the five here in the first mm-hmm. couple of games in the early going. Um, I was not aware that you had played the five previously. I thought they were really making a big ask of you, and I, I thought you had performed very, very well in the first couple of outings. Thank you. I mean, Dom, uh, Dom and Balsha – they will. I mean, they'll be back soon. And I mean, Coach Ham and uh and Coach Jones pretty much stressed to me that uh, prior before even the games, even the exhibition games, they said that there will be a chance that I will be playing the five. But also, I mean, I really didn't worry because I've played the five before. They told me that this might be the situation before I even came into Florida State. So my mentality was like it wasn't fully shifted to like playing the big uh, the big man or playing the five. But, like, there was also a little part of me that was like, okay, you know, when this time comes or if it comes that this is what I got to do. And it's not really so much as being like, okay, they told me that I want to be on the perimeter and now I'm playing the post. It's just like they need, they know what I can do. They know that I can play the post and they know I can play the perimeter. And so this is just them utilizing another aspect of my game and just and for an effort for us to, to compete and go out there and win. And, I mean, I, was, I, mean, I pretty much embraced that. And when we played Pitt, I embraced that. When we played the exhibition games, I played. I embraced that. When we played Florida, and it just, I mean, it worked out well for us last game. Uh, not too much. I mean, not as well as. Well, I wouldn't say not as well, but like we would like to win at Pitt. But I mean, I thought I did a pretty good job as far as just holding down the paint at Pitt. But I mean, it was just like a mentality thing. It's not really like something that's a, a, a big issue to me. But because I, I know that like that's what we want. That's what we need to do to win. So me playing, being at the five and the absence of Dominic and Balsha is completely fine with me because I know that they'll return back and I know that I'll either stay at the five or move over to Remington. I mean, either way, I'm just out there to help the team win. We're talking with Malik Osborne, who's a redshirt sophomore at FSU, arrived a year ago but had to sit out. So this is the first playing time he's earned. Ten points against Florida. That was a big, big upset. Opened some eyes already nationally given all the roster turnover from a year ago. I think most from afar would have expected Florida was going to win that game as the number six team in the country. So what was that experience like, the atmosphere? I know you, uh, you know, I'm sure you played in hostile environments uh, a few times when you were at Rice, but uh, just kind of sum up uh, what that experience was like for you on Sunday. Uh, well, the one word I would use to describe that experience was just fun. I mean, the whole atmosphere of just being in a hostile arena, you know, being someplace where, they, the the team, I mean, the fans and pretty much everybody else wants to see you lose so badly. But there's also just the fun of just going to battle with your brothers and playing against a rival and just the fun of just the competition and just going out there and just, you know what I'm saying, uh, just going, just taking your team and just going up against another team and just duking it out to the very end. So, that I mean, that was just completely fun to me despite the competitive times. I mean, I know there were, there were ups and then there were some downs. But overall, like just battling with my brothers, it was just, it was a very fun experience for me and a very new experience for me being uh, playing a ranked team and then being the underdog as well. So I enjoyed the entire experience. Now, Malik, if my information is correct, you grew up in Illinois. You signed with Rice. What what went into your decision to leave and what went into your decision to come to Florida State? How did that, how did that work itself out? Uh, my decision to come to uh, – well, my decision first to leave Rice it was so much of, of like I just wanted to, uh, I just wanted to play against you know, in a, in a great in a power five conference. I wanted to play against 
pretty much the best of the best. I know that the ACC is what what Coach uh, C.Y. and Coach Ham call, uh, called it when on my recruitment visit was the the NBA of the South, so to speak, because there's so much talent that generates to the NBA from this conference. So I just wanted to be able to compete at a high level and just, you know what I'm saying, it's like see where I matched up and and just see what what is what it's like. Um uh and then I mean I mean it was nothing against Rice. I mean Rice was a great spot, Coach Para. I'm also thankful that he recruited me and took a chance on me. Uh it just that uh, I mean I wanted to pursue something else. But and then coming to Florida State, uh Coach Gates was the one that recruited me, uh who is also at Cleveland State right now, but he recruited me. Uh I have family that lives down here and actually family that lives in Tallahassee. I have two uncles that played football here, uh, Toriel Osborne and uh, Joseph Clay. They played football back in the day for Florida State. Uh, Fiondu went to my prep school in Indiana, uh, Don Bosco. So I also knew him coming in. And, I mean, I also wanted to be in a place where, you know, it was warm weather and a family environment. So, I mean, obviously I'm in Florida where it's hot pretty much 90% of the time. And I'm in Tallahassee, who is not really a big city, but it's a very it – it's not a big city, but – it, that's the what makes it feel so family orientated. I mean, even on my visit, it felt like I was already a part of Florida State, and I didn't even commit yet. And uh, I mean that. Uh, other than that, and then my, um, I mean, my dad also has some ties with Florida State as well. So it just was like, I mean, a no-brainer at that point. And plus, Coach Ham told me pretty much what I what I was going to do. He laid out the game plan and stuck with it ever since. And I felt like everything was just genuine and nothing was artificial. So Florida State just seemed like the perfect spot for me. Well, that leads to the question. There must be something in the water at Bosco because Fee grows six or eight inches and goes from a guard to a five, and you grow five or six inches and go from a, a guard to a four. What, what What's in the water out there? <laughs> I can't even – I can't really tell you. But uh, whatever it is, I mean, that's what – I mean, Bosco's out here breeding uh, – a lot of high-level athletes. Uh, I mean, even to this day, they're still doing their thing. I, I can't really tell you what's going on, but uh, it's working, and I'm not complaining. Well, Tom and I have decided we're going to go out there because we want to be six foot four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my weight would be much better for my height if I was six four. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> hey, uh, you mentioned liking the warm weather, so uh, let's be honest here. I mean, Houston and Tallahassee are both on the I-10 corridor. So, yeah. which which place is hotter on July 18th? That is a tough one. I would have to say, oof, because last year was really hot when I first got here. But I would have to say, I would have to say Houston. I mean, the humidity was was unreal, and I think it felt like it was probably hotter to me. The fact that I transitioned straight from the Midwest to the South, and so that was my first time just experiencing heat like that, and it almost gave me PTSD because it was just like every time I went outside, I was just I was sweating, I was sweating, I was sweating, and it got to the point where I was just like, man, I gotta, I got. I, before I went out, I was like, all right, shoes check, clothes check, sweat towel check, <laughs> every day. I always have to have a sweat towel because it just was unbearably hot out there. <laughs> well, let's let's finish up on this. You're back home now for uh, you know a one and one start to the season, given what you guys played on the road. The only uh, really the only high major that was playing two other high majors on the road to start the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I know you'd rather be 2-0, and oh, but 1-1 one and one you'll take it. You come back, though, you've got four in a row at home starting Friday night against Western Carolina. 
what what would you say to fans who uh, haven't seen this team yet as you as you try to encourage them to come on out to the Tucker Center and take a look at the new the new look Knowles? I would say this team is is fun. I mean, we're we're fun to watch. Uh, from the players on the court to the players on the bench. I mean, I think we have probably one of the best benches in the country when it comes to just support of the teammates. I mean, everybody's talking, everybody's cheering for each other. We have crazy off the wall celebrations. The energy is always high. I mean, it, it just seems like a, a pack of brothers. And on top of that, I mean, the talent is just unbelievable. The whole the whole roster from from starter to to bench players just athletes, 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 athletes. So I would say if you if you're thinking about coming out Friday, please do. It's, it's definitely going to be showtime. All right. Well, as as uh, FSU fans know, and you know Malik. Best home court winning uh, record over the last three or four years belongs to Florida State. So uh, let's start adding some more W's uh, beginning on Friday night. Look forward to watching your career develop here. Thanks for a few minutes of your time. Oh, thank you guys for having me. Thanks, Malik. All right, you guys. Take care. All righty, Malik Osborne. You can see him Friday night, 7 o'clock, is the home opener. Uh, well-spoken kid there and uh, insanely talented. I, you insanely know, talented. And you know the way recruiting works. Uh, you forget about last year's shiny new toy because you're enamored with this year's shiny new toy, which is Patrick Williams. And Malik was redshirting last year, so you just lose sight of the fact that, oh, by the way, they got a guy who's going to contribute. And 10 points against Florida on the road, not bad. Well, he started 27 of 31 games at Rice. Um, you don't do that as a freshman unless you've got something going for you. And I mentioned it for our listeners that may not be aware. He went through a growth spurt just like Fiondu did. So he's 6'9", but he's got ball handling skills. He, he, he could play the three. He could play the four. I've got no doubt he could play the one if he had some time to figure out what the plays were. Uh, he is very, very gifted. You put him and Williams on the court at the same time, and you've got you've got uh, you know Dwayne Bacon, Malik Beasley type of uh, talent in terms of just physical skills, and they can elevate, they can dribble, they can shoot. Uh, it, it's a pretty interesting group. Now they got to get come together as a team. Uh, certainly, Pitt was a game they wish they could have back. It'd be great sitting two and zero. Probably would be ranked going into this four game homestand. But this is a quality group, and uh, if you're if you're on the fence, come on out and watch them. You'll be glad you did. We will continue and bounce back to football. Our Osceola insider will join us next segment. A lot going on right now for this time of year as Florida State gets set to host Alabama State this weekend, try to get bowl eligible. We'll continue the conversation right after this on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by the Osceola, dedicated to FSU sports and fan experiences. Sign up for a free trial at theosceola.com or call 833-FSU-NEWS. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ will reopen the Earl Bacon Agency hotline and welcome our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante. How are you, Bob? Doing well. I had a great time up in Boston. Fun game, cold weather, but a great weekend. was a good weekend. You know, I was watching the college football playoff, whatever they call the show. Reveal. And everybody's focused on Alabama. I was trying to do the math on how many things have to break the right way to get FSU into the top four. Have you done the calculus on that? 
as Lee Corso says, FSU just needs some more quality losses to move up. <laughs> that is well well played, Bob. Yeah. All right, so the million-dollar question, uh, which is actually probably a $35, $40 million question potentially over the length of a contract, is is it going to be Bob Stoops or not? I think all the Florida State fans are trying to tweet this thing into existence as quickly as possible. I, I think we have to have to look at this from different angles. There are so many people, so many stakeholders talking and invested in this decision, both you know emotionally and financially. And so we're hearing from sources all over the place. And from our standpoint, we're trying to filter it down to what we're hearing consistently. And I think what we can accurately say is, yes, there's a lot of interest on both sides between Bob Stoops and Florida State. Now, there's a lot of things on the negotiating table that I'm not comfortable getting into all the details, but I think I think Bob wants to clarify a number of things so that he feels comfortable jumping back into the college football world, whereas he was just kind of dipping his toes into the water with the XFL. So I still think he's number one on the list for Florida State. And then after him, there there are a lot of other considerations. So if it's not Bob, and Keith and I have been talking about this, everybody knows, I mean, all of Florida State Nation is hanging out hoping it's Bob. But if it's not, there'll be this letdown, and who is it? And then we'll move on from the coaching search, because I know we pontificated about this last week. That's where it gets fun. If it's not Bob Stoops, you can go in a couple different directions. And I think the factors that come into play are also going to be other head coaching openings Arkansas is, again, not the most attractive SEC job, but they've got a ton of money to throw at a candidate like a Gus Malzahn or Mike Norville at Memphis, guys who have ties to Arkansas. So there is leverage points that coaching agents can use against Florida State if, say, plan B for Florida State was, say, a Gus Malzahn or Mike Norville or somebody else. I think the fun one that everybody's getting behind is Odell Hagan. Is he a candidate? And, and we seem to think he is very interested. Um, there are some, let's call them deficiencies, that you would think when you look at him as a candidate. But if he's from the Bobby Bowden school, he likes to delegate, and he likes to trust his assistants. If he says, my plan includes Kendall Bryles as offensive coordinator, Jim Levitt as defensive coordinator, let's keep around George Henshaw as a right-hand man, Let's bring back Mickey Andrews and some of the former players to be advisors, analysts, whatever you call them. You can start to make up those perceived deficiencies of Odell to where then you see him as a potential candidate. But really, I think after Bob Stoops, you look at Odell and then you look at the wide pool of current head coaches as well as those top-notch coordinators. I saw the statistic from the reliable source that is Twitter. Bob, so I didn't verify it. You don't need to. It's from Twitter. But if, well, somebody else retweeted it, so it's true. Absolutely. I think now this was actually somebody in the media, so therefore it's definitely not fake news. Um, there's five unbeaten programs left. I think it's five right now. And three of their head coaches were never coordinators. So one of them is Dabo, who's never a coordinator. One of them is Ed O, who got elevated to head coach. And I think the other might be PJ Fleck. But the, the point is, there it has been done. You don't have to necessarily follow the. You know, I'm a position coach. Now I'm a bigger segment coach. Now I'm a coordinator. Now I'm a head coach at a small school. Now I'm a head coach at a bigger school. I mean, it it has been done and worked elsewhere. It really does. And my only hang-up, though, on some of these coordinators is just the timeline. Florida State kind of jumped in early wanting to make a decision quickly. 
within, say, a couple weeks, two, three weeks. But now when you look at the, at the Clemson coordinators or LSU's Dave Aranda, are those guys people who you can talk to or are they so wrapped up in their season? They've got a conference championship game. They've got the playoff coming up and mix that in with the, um, the, the playoff as well as the early signing period. How can all of these variables work out to where you can grab that top coordinator? And I'm just, I'm just reluctant. I don't know. I think one thing they're going to have to do is go back and change this early signing period because it's it's going to negatively or adversely affect a lot of programs that are changing coaches. See, and I think that's the exact thing they won't do because the argument will be it's still in the best interest of the players, a heck with the coaches. I don't like it, but it's there, and I don't see them changing it. But that's another discussion for another day. Sorry. It is. Let's. Uh, I, I want to ask – we talked basketball last segment, uh, Bob. I should point out because we didn't mention this. That Scotty Barnes uh, has signed his letter of intent with FSU, and uh, he's as highly touted a prospect as Leonard has signed. That comes on the heels of Patrick Williams, who comes on the heels of, you know, Beasley and Bacon and, and whoever else, Fiondu. Isaac, Isaac, by the way, he was Man. tearing it up last weekend. I guess it just goes to show, and this is interesting, you know, when you talk about coaches overall, so Dabo's a guy that people wrote off and now he's winning national titles. Leonard, quite frankly, is a guy that went through that period after winning the ACC championship when they missed the tournament a few years where people were ready to be done with him, and here he is, he's reinvented himself, and now he's just steady putting guys into the NBA. You know, if you want to have a little bit of fun, go back and look at Leonard Hamilton's recruiting classes after that March 2012 ACC title, and you'll see guys who were highly recruited, but they didn't work out. They didn't work out here. They didn't work out at the school that they went to. And so that resulted in a bunch of NIT teams in a row. And even with Xavier Rattan Mays and some nice pieces, it just wasn't enough. But then you got that vote of confidence from Stan Wilcox and the administration, and Leonard Hamilton started piecing it back together. And these are really fun teams to watch that on any given night, they can beat anybody. So hats off to him. He's created a really great family atmosphere. Parents know you can send your child to Florida State. They get a great education, good coaching, good development for the NBA. How about this? Leonard is now the new Bobby Bowden. He can win, but he hasn't won the big one. And he plays in the and, ACC, the toughest conference. And he's he's gotten one ACC title. He's been to the Sweet Sixteen, Lead Eight, but unless until he gets that one, and then when he does, he'll become the beloved coach, like Coach Bowden. He did. is on the national list, though, of best coach to never win a title. Exactly. Let's think about that from where he was twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen. That's Bob. my point. That's my point. That's how close, and hopefully, we'll get over that 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 hurdle. It could happen. It could very well happen. Done a really good job. Hey, you've got a basketball podcast now, I hear, Bob, uh, or the Osceola does. Share some details. So Arya Masudi, who we know does the voice of the women's basketball games for Florida State, came us with this idea back in August of, hey, let's do a basketball-only podcast. Let's do one-on-one interviews with players and coaches and former players and coaches. So our first one came out a week ago. We had Trent Forrest and Kaya Gillespie. And then our second one, it's going to come out on Friday. We've got Devin Vassell and Nausea Wolfolk, and these are fun one-on-ones. You get to know the players a little bit better. Talked with Devin a lot about that Florida game. I know you guys were there calling it. I was listening to you guys. I was driving back from, from the airport. 
So we get to listen to some of these players and get to know a little bit more about them with some really in-depth interviews. And, you know, look for it on iTunes. You can search for the Osceola or on the Osceola.com. I want to go back to football real quick. We're talking with Bob Ferrante, our Osceola insider, and talk about Jordan Travis for a minute. So I'm going to paint two scenarios, Bob, and, and you tell me which one is closer to the truth. So on the one hand, we have the scenario that Kendall has wanted to play Jordan Travis since who knows when, and Taggart wouldn't let him. On the other hand, we have Taggart was let go in the same week where Hornerbrook has a shoulder issue, and so you've got to get somebody ready to be the backup quarterback, and maybe in so doing, you say, you know what, now that I see him here, perhaps we should involve him in the offense. So where do you think that truth lies on Jordan Travis getting an opportunity last week? It's a really good question. I kind of lean toward option one, and I go with it down this route. Alex Hornibrook took a lot of hits in that Miami game, nine sacks plus the other hits. Maybe he was injured, and it was a very quiet injury. But I do feel like Kendall Bryles, all along we've been asking, when is this guy going to be able to use a quarterback that best fits his system? We don't know how good of a passer Jordan Travis is in a real college football game, but we know he's mobile. We know he can run. And if he can complete those short and intermediate passes, he's a great option. I hope we see a lot of them against Alabama State. The bummer is you give Florida some film to look at for two weeks. But I still feel like with this offensive line, we've seen six different offensive line starting lineups you still have to figure out which quarterback can help you execute your offense. And I'm not sure one guy does it. You include all these four plus cam. It's some combination. So I'd like to see a combination of James or Alex plus Jordan and cam. Have you drawn up what that play would look like? It's, it's just backyard stuff, man. It's just really fun stuff. And Finger fans. in the dirt. Finger in the dirt. <laughs> There is possibilities there, and you know what would really help is if, if Florida's defense would play like Boston College's defense at the end of the year. That would go a long way. Well, and the only thing I disagree with Bob about is I would love to have some Jordan Travis on film so Florida has to spend time preparing for him in addition to preparing for Blackman, in addition to preparing for Cam. They'll need two weeks. There are some good yeah. possibilities there. Go ahead, Bob. No, no, I was just going to say the same thing to Keith. I mean – so you're on the defensive side. You have two weeks to look at it. How, how complex is it to prepare for two traditional quarterbacks plus the wildcat plus the wrinkle that Jordan gives you? It, it's, it's difficult because you have certain calls that you got to get out of if Travis is in there, and you've got certain calls you want to get into if Blackman is in there. And the other thing that we don't talk about is we probably will not see Cam at quarterback. We don't have to do that now. Why was Cam at quarterback? So you'd have a quarterback that could run. Well, now we can put Travis at quarterback who can run and leave Cam in there. And particularly with Laburn being uh, gimpy a little bit, you may never see the wild Cam again because you don't need to. Or What we still want to see is, you know, Jordan Travis, at quarterback, Cam Akers alongside or behind them in the pistol, whatever. Let's see some RPO with those two guys. It, that's my point. That becomes right. the wild cam. Okay. Yeah. And I don't – do we know, did, did Odell say anything about the status of Laburn? 
No, I think what he said on Monday, which is the only availability this week, is just that he had some medical evaluations coming later in the day. There's really no solid update on injuries to guys like Dante Lucas, Leyburn, Hornibrook, others. Do we know if Levante Taylor has had his ears flicked by somebody for injuring Leyburn? You know that story, don't you? Bob, do you know that story? So I, I was listening to your podcast when I was driving back the other day, and, and you guys said this was an injury pregame, right? Exactly. Taylor came yeah. over to him and bumped him and, and you know thudded him when he wasn't supposed to. I'm assuming he was doing it out of just, fun or just messing around. And turned his ankle. Stupid idiot. Keith, you're you're rather ornery for middle of the week here. I mean, it's not even a game I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready. It's Alabama State. All right. It's Alabama State. You know how we do against Alabama State? We don't know. It's the first meeting. But I'm getting ready for Alabama State. <laughs> Bob, you got anything else before I uh, have to go calm Keith down here in, in between segments? I was going to use the Randy Spetman line and tell you a little bit about Alabama State, but really all I have is they have a great band. I still am with the Chiefs. That's why you're our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante. We appreciate the insight. Take care, guys. All right, that is Bob Ferrante. You can uh, learn more at theosceola.com. Seven-day free trial or subscribe for six ninety-five a month or seventy-four ninety-five annually. We got to get used to that dry Ferrante sense of humor. We do. It's very dry. We do. It's been. A, <laughs> we're still adjusting and acclimating. What if you put Jordan Travis in the slot, and then you bring that wrinkle in on some jet sweeps and some other opportunities there? Well, we saw that when you brought Cam Akers around on, and, and on a we, handoff, and he was prepared he did pitch he actually did pitch to a wide receiver that was trailing and you and i had that conversation driving down to gainesville on on sunday this whole issue of pitching at the second level which the veer was great at doing you know travis looking down the line belly of the fullback even if he's not there naked he gets past the linebackers now he's four or five yards past the line of scrimmage and then pitch but cam is still in sync behind him well, now everybody's got to collapse on him. Flip that thing out there. Touchdown. Just saying, that might be a possibility and a wrinkle, too, there. Just saying. All right. Odell, are you listening? We'll take a break. Come back. We still have more straight ahead on Front Row Knowles. It was unstoppable. It was always cold. No sunshine. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back, Front Row Knowles. Last segment, Tom and KJ with you. It is a busy time for Florida State Athletics. Always is when we start the uh, the overlap. You get uh, into basketball season and all that. But as we return to what has been a very busy Earl Bacon Agency hotline, we're pleased to welcome to the program uh, cross-country coach Kelly Phillips from Florida State. FSU is getting set for the regionals this weekend as we say hello. Coach, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? Great. Thanks and for having me. You bet. You bet. So uh, you guys have the bullseye on on your back because you were the South Region champs a year ago. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the makeup of your squad as as you go into to this weekend's NCAA regionals? You know, having the bullseye is always fun because it keeps life exciting. But uh, yeah, going into the regional, we have a a really deep team. So the beauty of it, it was hard to pick seven, which is a great place to be. And uh, last year we were coming into this meet hoping, uh, 
expecting to be in the top two, but there was about five teams that easily could have been, and we were fortunate enough to win. And this year, we're in a little bit better spot, so we expect to win again and plan to get all seven to be all region, which is top 25. Coach, you're running, so, on, a, you're running on a track that, that some would say is new. It's been around for a few years, but uh, the track out at Appalachia is something you guys are very proud of and, and anxious to get on again and, and see what you can do, correct? Oh, my goodness. Our course is probably one of the best in the country. It's amazing. We're hosting uh, NCAA in 2021. Um, so the city has done a phenomenal job of not only just upkeeping it but just doing new things to it every year so we are extremely fortunate to have a place like that to race and train at and speaking of that bullseye tommy in, in addition to being the defending they're also number one in the region and number 12 nationally not not a bad place to be as you enter into the postseason it is not a terrible place to be however um we expect to go to nationals and make those make that 12 number uh, somewhere in the single digits so that's that's the plan anyway well you're and you're looking for uh, you know back-to-back ncaa appearances for the first time in a few years and, and a few years back and we don't have to go through this but florida state on on the women's side was was on the podium i think for several years in a row so what has been the key to you being able to you and your and your athletes being able to build the program back to that level you mentioned wanting to finish in single digits I know you'd love to be on the podium, but but to move up from 12, what, what's been the key to bringing the program back? Uh, you know, I, I think the previous coach did a tremendous job, um, and uh, so she was there, had teams there regularly, and um, when I first came, you know, it was back to a little bit of a building time, um, and I think the what has made the biggest difference for us has been just the depth. We have, um, you know, we have 43 women on our team, which is an incredible amount for women's distance, especially when you're only bringing seven to the national meet. So they're always fighting for a spot. And uh, we we really have a great culture right now. And people are just really excited about training hard and being better. And um, it's just been a really fun group to work with. So, you know, my job's easy. I got it's a piece of cake now. If you asked me that four years ago, I would have said differently. <laughs> What would you say? Tallahassee's a, a big running community, so there's plenty of people that are that are familiar with the the course out there the, at, at Appalachia Regional Park. But for those who are not runners or haven't followed cross country, uh, that course is actually really set up well from a spectator standpoint. So just just tell us how the schedule unfolds, and and if you were to make your way out there on Friday for the for the regionals, uh, what you should expect. Well, the women go off at uh, 8.30, and it's a 6K, which is uh, just under four miles for people that do miles and not Ks. Um, but the course is really easy to navigate and get around. But they, not only that, it's everything's wired, so they have big jumbotrons. So even if you're someone who might not necessarily like to run around like a crazy person and see all the race, you can watch on the jumbotron and be able to see it. And then the men are right after the women. Uh, and they run a 10K, which is uh, just a little bit over six miles. So, I mean, it's going to be chilly for in Tallahassee temperatures, um, but it's it's going to be pretty awesome uh, cross-country weather. So it should be fantastic, and we always get an incredible crowd um, out there. So it'll be a lot of fun to watch if anybody wants to just take off work or school. We highly recommend it. Call in sick um, and come out and cheer for the Knowles. Will you write us a note to excuse us? Who do Absolutely. We... Okay. You know? 
<laughs> as, as long as it's all covered. Hey, Coach, thanks for a few minutes of your time, and best of luck. Best of luck. Best of luck. Uh, defend that South Region Championship, and I hope you do get into the top ten when you get out to Nationals. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Appreciate it. Kelly Phillips, right, the women's cross-country coach at FSU. Did you notice how she – converted it uh, if you're more interested in miles than k how many furloughs is that i, I wanted to tell her we don't do k's or miles it doesn't matter how you convert it <laughs> no they florida state's program and and uh, you may have missed it again the running community knows they're hosting an ncaa championship in a couple of years in 2021 on that course it's a tremendous course i i called the acc cross-country championships there a couple of years ago um, but really nice course and that's a big deal i think it's been Women's tennis had its NCAA championships when they opened the the Scott Spiker Center sometime in the 90s. I'm going to go with 94 or 5, but I don't really know. But I don't know that there's been an NCAA championship since then. There's been regional-type events, but I don't know that a a true championship has been contested. Probably not. Anyway, we appreciate Kelly Phillips joining us. Wish her and uh, and Bob Raymond squads good luck this coming weekend. What would you like to finish up on? Well... Uh, we know that we need to win a ball game to get bowl eligible, and you and I being the uh, team players that we are, uh, that translates into another check. So that's what's most important. And speaking of team players, don't forget Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. It's your location for all your tool needs. It's where all the pros and do-it-yourself workers shop. Big box pricing with local service. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Tallahassee location open on Saturdays from 8 a.m. until noon. You are nothing if not fully transparent, Mr. Jones. That would be me. (laughs) Uh, We covered a lot of ground on this show. We did. Hoops team got its top signee in a while. They got four in a row at home. It is a good stretch for for Leonard's team. The women team women's team plays tonight. I've got that game against JU. Tip time at uh, seven o'clock. Uh, Cross country regional championships. The coaching search goes on, and we're going to have Jordan Travis lining up at all eleven positions by the time we get to Gainesville. Well, you know, you do that for nine positions for bas- baseball. Meat did that one time. By the way, we're scheduled to have meat on that next week and talk about the baseball team. If has anybody ever done all eleven positions on either side of the ball in football, that would probably royally tick off the opponent, wouldn't it? Well, this would be the week to try it. I heard that. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still going with the Chiefs at halftime. I hear, despite you. Alabama State's ban. Let me go back to this Jordan Travis thing. The question I posed to Bob. So I was thinking this. Remember, now it's easy to say now what were they looking at? He should have been playing all year. We haven't seen him throw a pass. He wasn't eligible until, what, three days before the season or something? And he had a bad ankle or a bad knee that and was so, limiting him in practice. Right. And so once you get out of fall camp and you get into game week, you're getting two quarterbacks ready and somebody's running your scout team. And if you're getting three quarterbacks ready, it's it's tougher at that point. There's no contact. You know he's fast. But, I mean, Hamza said this after the game. Well, yeah, he's fast, but we just reach out and touch him. And they blow the whistle because that's what you do in practice. Exactly. So you really and, – and so the one other time where – I assume, and I don't know if his ankle was healthy. We we never really found out, but but Blackman got hurt. It was the Louisville game, and so Hornerbrook started. So in theory, Travis should have been the backup that week, and that would have been the week of the season if he was healthy. And I don't recall offhand where you could have seen him in practice and said, "Well, why don't we try this package?" All I know is watching the spring game. He was twenty-two of twenty-seven. Granted, he's going against second and third team poke. At Florida State. He's not playing starters for an opponent. But I like the way he moved around. I like the way he threw the ball. The ball looked well. It went to the right place. It was in the right place. You know, I I know there might be reservations about his ability to throw. But I go back to an original comment. 
he was on Florida State's radar the last year that Jimbo was the head coach. And and Jimbo called the assistants off and called recruiting off, and that's the one and only reason that he went to Louisville. He would have come to Florida State, in my opinion, in my opinion, he would have come to Florida State to begin with. He's that caliber of a quarterback, and it's just another long list of the quarterbacks that Florida State didn't get, i.e. Sam Howell, or quarterbacks that they brought in that didn't work out. And it just adds to the aura that is the last 10 years when you talk about QB position at FSU. That about sums it up. Kickoff 12 noon on Saturday against Alabama State. And then should we be victorious, Keith? When we are victorious? Yes. Uh, Would you prefer El Paso, Detroit, Annapolis? I'm going to go with El Paso. It's going to get really interesting because what you have is you have these separate tiers, and we don't have time to get into it, but there's basically four bowls lumped together, and they can choose whoever they want, especially if you're within one game of of a team. And so you're going to wind up with a bunch of teams that are all 6-6 and in the league, and a higher bowl will have the opportunity to pick FSU. So they may make that tier instead of dropping down to the bottom tier, which is Shreveport, Detroit, and Annapolis, I think is the last three. El Paso is actually in the higher tier, I think. I don't know. We'll worry about that after we get done. Gator Bowl is too, maybe. It actually is, and Jacksonville would love to have FSU. Given the fact that they didn't They would love to have FSU, and you're right about that. So we'll see how many teams get eligible, but that's not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, We are out of time, however. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you with uh, our first look show Sunday morning at 9. So long. 